Welcome to Dungeons and Diapers. I'm your host, Ryan, this week, and joining me is Crofton, not from the shed this week. How's it going, man? Hey, it's, uh, I mean, it's been better. I've, I got, you know, last time you were talking about being sick. This time for me, it's the family that's being sick. I did get that computer problem sorted. It was the power supply. And so I am back in business in my usual place. You won't have to deal with the echo, echo, echo of um, of the uh, the shed, but it was a notable historical moment, and no one will take that away from us, Ryan. No, no one did technically. It was really only one person that mentioned it, and uh, and they took it back right away. So um, it's all good. Uh, before we get into the dungeons, I wanted to uh, share a fun story. Which uh, so technically we're recording this a day late. The main reason we're recording it a day late is is so that. Crofton uh, could get an additional day in um, uh, feeling better and getting the family uh, back on track. Uh, but for me, it wouldn't have mattered because yesterday, like I made, I, I made a huge mistake, a huge mistake dot gif. You can picture it right now. Uh, Job from um, Arrested Development. I made a huge mistake. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, so last night we've been trying this new thing with the kids where it's like, hey, we'll uh, we've, we've got this like pom pom system that Ashley set up where if the kids do well or do something without being asked, like they get a pom-pom and then they can trade in those pom-poms, like five of them for a, for a candy or, or something. And, uh, because their Halloween candy is still sitting downstairs, they haven't had a chance to actually, uh, go through it yet. So we've, we've decided let, let's start, let's start giving them their candy. Um, so we started this new thing at bedtime where I've, I've had to like kind of stay in the room with them, uh, while they fall asleep, which has been, uh, sometimes tough. Cause like I'll fall asleep and then I'm like, it's eight 30 and I'm like, Oh God, what's going on? Um, and it's been going quite well. And then, uh, yesterday I was doing this typical Ryan blinders. Let's read a story. And I opened this story. It's called interesting stories for curious kids. And I'm just going to like preface this with the, the book is not for, five-year-olds it is for like i think teenagers i didn't buy it i think a grandparent bought it and thought like oh this will be fun and they didn't happen to look at any of the stories um and i should have known when i read the title and crofton you're gonna laugh because you probably would have read the title and been like yeah we're not reading this before bed uh it was called uh the christmas you know uh, the ghosts of christmas or something and i thought oh it's a christmas story and it won't be scary uh, this will be like some funny story that may have been a ghost, but wasn't. <laughs> so I start reading through it and I get through the, it's like three pages long. They're all short stories. So I'm working through it. And the story talks about how it's Christmas Eve and, you know, the family's all getting ready for bed and they're, they're ready to go to sleep so that Santa comes. And then the story goes into the point of like the father wakes up and the family dog is like scared in the corner and, and here I am picturing like, you know, the Santa Claus for, with Tim Allen. It's like, oh, he's going to get up and he's going to see Santa. No, the story describes the father going downstairs, hearing ruffling in the uh, in the in the uh, family room where, where the Christmas tree is. And again, here I am thinking, oh, it's going to be like some fun story about like Santa showing up. No, he goes downstairs and he sees this like seven foot like monster with glowing red eyes staring back at him. And when he turns on the light, all the Christmas gifts are opened up and some of the toys are out of their packaging. And I'm, and that's how the, and the story ends with basically like they never spent Christmas in that house again because they went to their family for the next few years and then moved. And here I am thinking like, 
well, that's great. I'm going to be sitting here all night. <laughs> I just, and Abby was like scared. I was scared. It was a scary story. I don't understand how this book is for, for kids, Crofton. I just find it like what you answered kind of one of the questions I had going through the thing, which is, you know, normally if you're reading something scary mm-hmm. or watching something scary, well, you know that it's scary at one point and then you're like, oh, geez, like you read the page and it's like the blood soaked hand came downwards and you're like, oh, 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 I'll put this away. It sounds like the truly scary moment only really happened at the very end of the story. So you've already like, you're reading it and, and then it's like scary at the end. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's like, I'm hoping that's the case. If, if for some reason it was scary in the middle and you're like, well, let's see how this pans out. Well, then you, <laughs> then you have no one to blame, but yourself. No. And and this is the thing. And what we were saying to the kids was like, okay, if, if you, if you stay in your rooms and go to sleep when mommy and daddy and Izzy leave, you get to have two of your candies of whatever you want after school. And that's been working quite well. And the only reason it got interrupted is because I read the story. And for the most part, outside of like me, once I finished the story, I was like, now I remember why we stopped reading these stories because they're all, if not a majority of them, they're all, they all have an edge to it. And it's like, it's not, it's, it's, they're interesting stories. Don't get me wrong, but they're like, it's not targeted to that age group. It's it's definitely like probably like young teens, I'd say. Definitely not for five and six year olds right before bed. And and um I I wish look it, it totally would have been a Ryan moment to like keep to say as you said, like let's see where this goes. But no, it felt like it was right at the end, like the second to last paragraph was like, and it was a giant monster, and the only reason the monster didn't eat the family is because he turned the light on at just the right moment. And, and, uh, Abby was rightfully just scared, like completely petrified. So I basically had to like stay in the room with Caden while she went in with it, with, with mom and Izzy. And then I had to go, she wouldn't even sleep in her own room. We had to like sleep in mom and dad's room until she fell asleep. And then we transferred her back. And, and again, like I didn't even get downstairs till like eight 30 when I saw your message two hours later. Um, they, you were good to record uh, a day later. So it was just, it was one of those moments of like, and Caden, of course, is, at, is saying, well, you know, dad, you, you know why the eyes were glowing. The eyes were, and I'm like, you need to stop talking about this story or we're going to be in here again till nine o'clock. Okay. We can talk about the story later on when Abby's not in the room. Let's not scare your sister. Just to be clear, dad, the eyes were glowing because it's a monster that's going to murder the family. Is that, <laughs> is that is that clear, dude? Do I understand? Is yeah. he? Is that your takeaway? That was my takeaway. No, he was like, well, see, it, it was Santa, but his eyes were replaced by bulbs. And I'm like, that's not helping either. You need to stop. But I understand that where your uh, mind is going. Like, you're you're thinking about it. He wasn't scared. Like, he, he says, oh, we got to read this book again. Can we read that book again tonight? And I'm like, not m- before daddy finds, like, a you know, a good story that isn't going to have us all up until 10 and 10 at night. So I just, I don't know. I was like, it felt like a classic Ryan moment where it's like, let's read the story. And I think just the way it was structured, as you said, you get three quarters of the way through it. And, um, you know what I should have done is I, I should have saw it coming and I should have been like, I should have stopped reading at that point and just made it up. And it was Santa. Santa was replacing gifts because they didn't have batteries. The end, you know, like, yeah, yeah, you should have gone off script. I know, I, and I didn't, 
I didn't. I'm so I felt classic like Ryan moment. Yeah, definitely. Kids end up in therapy again. Um, <laughs> yeah, the bills. Yeah. Um, okay, well, let's go into the dungeons uh, because I know Crofton, you've been you've been couch bound for a couple weeks. Uh, how has your recovery gone? I see a lot of video games here. Where do you want to oh, start? Man, it's been so tough. Like everybody's been sick, and then other people. It's like we're we're in the you know the Olympics in the track and field. They have like the relay yes. where you pass the baton. It feels like. We're doing this with the sickness, but we're also like lots of us are sick at the same time. And like when the four-year-old feels better, but everybody else is sick, then that's no good. It's just, you know, Jess was, is still feeling it. Too. It's been two full weeks of this. I feel so bad. I missed like a ton of work and just it's been so challenging. Uh, but uh, but yeah, the, the silver lining, I guess, is that we've been housebound and we've watched a bunch of shows and, and, and a bunch of movies. and. Um, I had to even pare down the list further, but uh, for me in the in the dungeons, I had some uh, I had some like uh, you know a lot of a lot of stuff to go over. And I know um, I think the last time we did it might have been the last time we did this. I, I did a huge Crofton rant love letter to Andor, uh, which is a. Uh, um, now finished his first season, but I have not yet watched the two final episodes. Uh, we, we've been saving them, so I can't comment other than to say it continues to be an amazing show. Um, but uh, but I will talk about another A show that uh, my wife and I have been watching a year late, Ryan, and that's Netflix's Arcane. Have you nice. seen that one? I have. I did see it. I'm, uh, I'm excited to hear what your thoughts are because I really enjoyed it. I mean – um everybody i talked to has really enjoyed this show and has has talked about it uh a lot a lot to me uh and so my you know my wife had wanted to watch it for a while and uh and we were waiting we decided we were going to wait until the last two episodes of andor were out and we needed kind of a new show and i said look you've been talking about this show for a while everybody's told me it's good like it's been out for a year it's video game tangentially related let's just watch it and uh for the for the listeners who don't know arcane is based on the video game league of legends uh and uh but you don't need any sort of knowledge of league of legends which is great because i have none um to to get into the show or or follow it and it's set in like a steampunk world and involves mostly the relationship between two sisters. It's it's an upstairs downstairs story, you know, uh, like Altered Carbon and all of these other ones where it's like the rich people live upstairs, the poor people live in the slums below, and all of that sort of thing. Um, it's animated in a very interesting way. Like I would say, a lot of people. I, I read a lot of reviews of the show where they characterize it as unique. I would say to a video game player, it is not unique. It looks like Borderlands or Dishonored. Um, like it's sort of like a mix of cell shaded uh, with um, you know some level of realism, but also cartoon cartoony characters, like not not realistic characters. The entire show looks like well done video game cutscenes strung together. I don't say that in a derogatory way. I love video game cutscenes, but essentially. Um, that's what it, it it looks to me at any at any moment. I feel like it's going to jump into gameplay or something, um, because it is a very action packed show. It is a very action packed show, um, and so we are an episode. Uh, there's like nine episodes, 
and we're on episode six. I think we just finished episode six or no. Yes, I think so. Um, and so we're pretty, pretty well into it. And I would say that I'm really enjoying it. And Jesse as well is really enjoying it. And we're enjoying it more as it goes on. But I will say that it was absolutely overhyped to me. Um, and that is unfortunate. So when when watching it, it is it is like I would say it's a good show, an eight out of ten, maybe an eight at eight point five out of ten. But but everybody had been talking about it like it was the second coming. It was like, oh, this is like 10 out of 10 will blow your mind. And uh, absolutely not that. In fact, it it works. It operates on a lot of tropes, um, which is, uh, you know, like a lot of plot beats you've seen before, character model characters you've seen before. There's essentially a Harley Quinn female Joker character, you know, practically one for one, you know, in the show. I already talked about the upstairs, downstairs stuff. Um, but like that said, I'm a sucker for all that stuff. I love, you know, um, sort of, uh, cool worlds that are like, uh, you know, well-crafted and have, uh, you know, fantasy and sci-fi elements. This show's got all of that. It has a, a fairly large cast of characters beyond the two sisters. And a lot of them are really interesting, um, and, and compelling and stuff. Um, and so I see like, look, if you go in expecting like like you were expecting a League of Legends show, and you're like, why am I even watching this? And then you start watching it, you'd be like, oh my god, this is so amazing! I get it. But like, as somebody who went went in there in the exact opposite, everybody's saying that this is the greatest show of the year. Um, I would say that it hasn't reached those heights, but we're a few episodes from the end, and we are enjoying it more and more with every episode. And it goes down so easy. Like it's not like like last night we had we were gonna start watching Andor the last two episodes. We had a bit of a streaming issue with Disney Plus, and we immediately pivoted. We're like, well, let's just watch the other A show, Arcane, instead. Uh, and it's very easy to to do that. So uh yeah, I would say say really good, really good show. Um, don't need to watch video games. Don't you know, like uh, you don't need to play video games, you don't need to be familiar with League of Legends. Um, I think it's a show that it's a good date show in, in, in a weird way, even though there's like some really big time animated violence and, and fighting in it. It's definitely not for kids, even though the opening sequences do feature kids. And you could be mistaken if you're a parent to think that it's a show for kids. Uh, it is not. So uh, don't pull a Ryan, you know, <laughs> um, and uh, and uh, yeah, uh, but I, I would say. I give it a recommend for sure. It's a it's a good show. Do you take umbrage with any of my comments, Ryan, or think differently? Uh, no. Here's the thing about um, Arcane. I was going to say that uh, you're absolutely right. Like it, it, it is the it is it is the it's such a great video game adaptation. But like, I never played like you. I never played League of Legends. I don't know anything about the lore. So honestly, watching the movie made me understand more about the lore and then after that i dove into the games a little bit um specifically their their mobile games and suddenly like i knew who these characters were i understood some of their backstory and it, it all connects it's it's really well done um I, I almost feel like i wish you're right like it sounds like a really great um uh a date tv show and and i might i might see if ashley wants to watch it because we've been watching um uh volume three of uh unsolved mysteries and and crafted i don't know if you know this but like 
all of those episodes end unsolved. Yeah, the mysteries are unsolved. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned that because that was what Jesse was watching before <laughs> I got her into like Andor and Arcane. And I'd always walk down, she'd be halfway through, and she'd be like, this one is so interesting. And I'm like, I'm sure it is, but I'm also sure they will never figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Like, so. It's there. Uh, so Unsolved Mysteries, it's like, it's a good, they tell a really good story, but you're right. Like the whole story is kind of marred by the fact that you know they didn't solve it. And it makes some of the plot points really frustrating because it's like, well, you may have solved it if, you know, this person did this or this organization did that instead of this. And like, it's just, it's, it, it can be a frustrating watch. And and there's a few of them that are, I find like the ones that aren't frustrating are the ones that kind of dive into like the paranormal stuff, because of course they're unsolved because it, like what paranormal thing isn't unsolved, but it's, that's where the journey and the story and the possibilities get really interesting. Um, uh, but yeah, you're right. Like if there's a, the traditional unsolved mystery, um, uh, it, it, they're unsolved. But like my favorite episode of volume three has been, there's this one, uh, it's early on. They do like an alien abduction or an alien UFO episode once a season. And this one's about one that kind of like, I think it hit like a, a city in uh, a county in Ohio or something. But it was all about how this guy who worked at the weather station was sort of monitoring these UFOs as they were traveling through this county. And it was a really interesting one. Again, unsolved. It's an unsolved mystery, but like there's so yeah. much. I saw that one actually. Yeah. It was good. It was well done. Yeah. And I thought it was it, like, it was the best of, of that season, but you're right. Like, they're they're all unsolved. unsolved. Yeah. It's yeah, unsolved. No. It's definitely unsolved. I, it, and it's in the title, but they get to every time. I know. Uh, every time. <laughs> So Ryan, let me uh, let me punt it to you uh, sure. to talk about God of War Ragnarok because um, a uh, I finished since we last spoke I finished God of War twenty eighteen uh, and very much enjoyed it, but also I'm like I need a break from God of War and therefore won't be jumping into Ragnarok right away because I feel like I won't be giving it its fair due if I do, and something that I'm being very curious about which is the way that people have been talking about this game, which is um, essentially they've been saying, oh, it's so good, but, and then they, they bring up a nitpick or an issue. Oh, it's very long. Oh, it's not doing anything new. It's no, 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 no. It's, it's like, it's very interesting. Like, I find the the whole dialogue on Twitter about it very funny. And it makes me think about um, when God of War 2018 came out. Because when it came out, it was like this year, there's the big game of the year showdown. Not to dismiss all the other games, but between Ragnarok and perhaps Elden Ring. Uh, and, and in 2018, it was between Red Dead Redemption 2, which that year was like the most anticipated. Like what Ragnarok is this year... It was that year, and God of War was the nice surprise um, that year. And God of War ended up winning a lot of the awards. And when I think about it, I think that that's, you know, it, it's not, it was not an Assassin's Creed, Assassin's Creed 2 situation in the sense that, like, Assassin's Creed 1 is barely a prototype for what the series would eventually become. They nailed almost everything in God of War. The God of War 2018 I just played, like, they, they invented, like, 
the one shot camera, the uh, the the combat, the 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 you know the axe and and the chains and the everything like uh, the whole way that it was put together was every facet of that game was like firing on all cylinders, and so everybody was like pleasantly surprised, like really surprised and being like, "Wow, this game is awesome," um, and therefore say it you know overwhelmingly beat I think Red Dead Redemption. In the game of the years because everybody knew kind of or what they were expecting to get out of red dead redemption they got it they liked it but this was a new thing and now it feels like the opposite is true in that ragnarok's come out and everybody or at least the the, the feeling i'm getting yeah yeah it's still really good it's still really good but you know uh nitpick 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 and so my question for you and this is a long-winded question is it um is there any merit to that or is is it just like an amazing game because like i see these reviews that are like 10 on 10 and then all the comments underneath are like nitpick 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 i'm playing it and i love it but blah 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 i listen to a podcast but it's very long it's still going blah 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 so what so what what is what is what has been your takeaway uh it's true core is still recording right now as we as we speak, it's still going. I think they're in hour five right now. Um, but yeah, like, so here's the thing. Um, I, I first want to uh, preface this, this answer with the fact that people who listen to me on podcasts, they know, like, I'm super positive. I like to focus on, like, what I really enjoyed about a video game and not really get caught up in the stuff I didn't like. Unless it's game-breaking, unless it's experience-breaking. But for the most part, you know... Um, I spend a lot of money on these games. I spend a lot of time on these games. I don't have a lot of free time. Uh, with God of War Ragnarok, I'll say this, like any free time I had, I was playing God of War Ragnarok. Um, anytime I had to sit and choose, like, what what do I want to do? Do I want to watch TV? Do I want to you know, watch a movie? Uh, I was playing God of War Ragnarok. And there's, there's very few games that will like literally take over all my free time uh, because I was very much enjoying it. I... Um, I understand uh, some of the, some of the nitpicks I, I, I've heard have been to me. It's like I, my response is like, okay, that's a valid criticism, but like, there's so much to this game that's that's just absolutely amazing, and that didn't ruin the experience for me. It's unfortunate if it ruined the experience for you. And for the most part, when I have that conversation, it's like, no, no, I'm still really enjoying it. It's just this happened. It's like, yeah, fair criticism, but I think that it doesn't bring the whole game down for them or me. And um, in terms of playing this, like right after God of War 2018, cause I, I literally finished God of War 2018 for our gamers in game club and promptly moved right into God of War Ragnarok. And um, I actually found the opposite. That was super helpful for me because like horizon forbidden West, they take this concept that I think is fairly new for a lot of developers in the sense that like, especially when you're transitioning to a new platform and a new generation of consoles, the idea is to kind of throw everything out and start from scratch and provide a completely new experience. But with horizon forbidden West and God of war Ragnarok, they really do take that original concept and just continue to build on it. Like if you play 2018 into Ragnarok, you're going to feel like you're playing a game that they developed. Well, they did develop one after another, but like built upon the beginning of of 2018 like it, it just really feels like they kind of 
take the idea and the engine and the gameplay of 2018 and then transplant it into this new game of, of Ragnarok with a new story, new characters, new locales. But like the combat is instantly going to feel very familiar to you. Like they, they do offer tweaks on some of the moves and the move sets, but um, you could move from 2018 right into Ragnarok and it'll feel like you're playing a very similar, if not the same game uh, from a, from a gameplay standpoint. But of course, like they've, They've done a lot of work to build out the story and and um, and and more characters and and of course more locales because you're you're exploring every all of the nine realms in this one. Um, you're not locked out of any throughout the progress of the story. That is a weird thing in 2018 where you get to the table, then you can turn all this stuff into all these realms, and then it's like no. Odin's locked this one. It does make the game, I don't want to say feel like a demo, but it almost feels like like when everybody's like, oh, this game is so long. I'm like, well, if they let you go to all the realms, then right off it's gonna be long. But no, I'm glad, I'm glad to hear. I know that you you trend positive on these things. I'm glad to hear that that's the case. It makes when I hear this sort of stuff, having not played the game myself, it just makes me frustrated with the gaming community that we can't like something unless it's shiny and new and stuff you know it's like last time god of war was shiny and new oh now they've built up it's the same with horizon forbidden west earlier this year you mentioned it but it's like i mean i feel like that game like again having not played it got short shift because it's like oh it's too much like the one before i'm like yeah well was that one any good and they're like yeah but i mean whatever uh- I mean, you here's know, the like, thing. Like, I, I, like, I understand. I, I get that some folks think that it needs to be new and shiny and all that. But like, I kind of really dig this philosophy that PlayStation seems to be laying down, where it's like, we want to provide AAA amazing single player experiences. Like this year, I played Horizon Forbidden West and God of War Ragnarok, and in both those games, I found myself at moments in awe of just like how much work went into this experience and how they were able to pull it off with acting, music, gameplay, d- design, the graphics, just everything. And God of War Ragnarok is like, it, it is that in every scene. You know, there are moments like in 2018 where you're you're sit- literally sitting there and you're tearing up. And there are other moments where you're cheering. There are other moments where you're laughing. Like they don't make games like this every day. And I think these games are worth celebrating just like it's worth celebrating like indie titles that come out like um like another one that came out earlier this year just launched in early access like vampire survivors you can celebrate that game for a completely different reason in that it is uh surprisingly addictive and and a lot of fun but um i just yeah i'm gonna be super positive about god of war ragnarok because like i i really enjoyed it i platinumed it i just finished it before we started recording i got the last few trophies and it was an amazing experience yeah, I'm I'm I feel like by Christmas I'll be ready to jump in. Like I feel like um you know I can wait that wait that long air out a little bit between the last one where I won't have forgotten the story but just you know like a bit like between seasons of a show before jumping right sure. into the next season, you know. But I I I'm uh, I am stoked. Also it's interesting cuz I will be playing it on PS4 Pro. You're pl- I'm assuming played it on PS5. Um and uh it is just, it is just, it is interesting to me because it's like, um, I'm never, I'm not even tempted to get a PS5 to play this game because I just, I'm like, well, I can't, I, I just played God of War 2018, looked amazing on my TV. I'm like, I'm sure it's going to look 
equally as good, you know, or better. Yeah. Uh, and, and so what's, what's the harm? It'll really be, I, I realize that to get people like me to buy a PS five, they've got to stop doing this. And so uh, at, uh, I know Spider-Man may be their, their big one to not do it or whatever, but, um, if Spider-Man 2 comes out on PS4, well, I'll be like, well, I'll just stick with that with that version. You know, at, at one point, the only thing that's going to get a guy like me over the hump is like, if you told me I couldn't play Ragnarok unless I had a PS5, I might start, I might be looking at Black Friday PS5, you know. Yeah, there goes so, the power supply budget. <laughs> Although you just there it goes, I know, the stupid power supply budget. <laughs> um, yeah, well, here's the thing. I, I will mention this before we move on. Um, it, it, the This is the last cross-generation game that Sony is putting out. They've basically said as much. Um, and the good thing for you, Crofton, is that if you do buy it for your PS4 and down the road, you decide you do get a PS5 because Spider-Man 2 will be exclusive to the PlayStation 5. Uh, and that's coming out in 2023. You can pay the 10 bucks to upgrade it and then play it on your, P- play the PS5 version as well. Not that you won't like sit, play it, finish it. Cause it is about, I say like, I'm around, I'm at the 40 hour mark and I did everything. You know, so if you were just like kind of doing the story and some side stuff, because a lot of the side content will open up later on in the game, you could probably finish the story in in a in a healthy 30 hours and, and feel like you've experienced like a really good chunk of the game. But um, as I said, it's it's just a great, solid continuation of of God of War. And the fact that they announced like there is this this is the finale to the Norse sort of series of games for god of war like i think that was a smart move uh you know it's really weird to it's kind of odd we're kind of trained in trilogies and to get like a duology is especially in video games um is kind of like uh it's kind of it's kind of shocking but it, it was it was nice you know to know that like don't get me wrong when i finished the game i was incredibly sad that it was over uh like i usually am when i get very invested in a game and i finish it but um yeah, it's a, it's a really cool sort of bookend to the story. Was there ever a time, the duology thing surprises me as well. Was there ever a time in the game where you were like, or like looking back on it, where you're like, this could have been two games. They could have split it up. You mean, I think, oh yeah. You know, um, like, uh, like does, did it feel like they crammed two stories or two things together? I just say that because, um, you know, the 2018 game uh, felt like a complete story in the sense that it was, about returning ashes to the top of a mountain. And there was a couple of curveballs sure. thrown ar- ar- along the way. But bottom line is they got the, you know, it was a, it was a set story and the, the events never really changed from that story. Like the, the thrust, the narrative thrust never changed from that story. So I guess like, cause for me, it's like, if everybody's saying like, Oh, this game's too long. It seems <laughs> to me like, well, you got a lot of game. That's great. But, would they have been better served to have released it as like, you know, in two chunks and made it a trilogy? Uh, well, here's this is the thing. The first one felt like it lingered, right? Like it, it, it told a, it told a simple story, but it was a winding path. You know, um, the second game feels like this is the, this is the end of the story. So we got to wrap up a lot of the stuff we set up in the first one and anything new we introduce, we have to wrap up in this one as well to a certain degree. And I think that's where it feels like it feels like once you start that roller coaster, it just it just goes until it's done. And it feels very much like like plot points like boom, 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 boom. And there are reasons it feels even more fast paced uh, from a gameplay and 
just a narrative perspective that I, I don't necessarily want to spoil because it wasn't spoiled for me. And it was, it was a really cool surprise um, as I was playing through and folks at home probably know what I'm talking about, but I, again, I don't want to spoil it. It's just, it, it really felt like you got a better sense of how um, the structure of the game was going to work, which I think made it go a lot faster um, in my mind as you were like, well, I got to progress through this section so I can then go and experience the next part of the, the chapter. Whereas I think in the first game, like I said, it lingered and your, your, your goal was always how do I, for the most part, how do I get these ashes to the highest peak in all the nine realms? Um, whereas in this one, the, the sort of goal, it's basically like at the beginning of the game, it's to survive Fimble Winter and, you know, avoid Ragnarok, even though it's in the title of the game, you know, uh, but like there, there's less of a clear goal in this one. And that's where, uh, at least early on, that's where it feels like it's moving very quickly to uh, wrap up uh, beats uh, that were set up in the first game and, and alluded to in the first game, because the idea in the first game is that Odin's the big bad. He has all the nine realms under his thumb and uh, we have to resolve that. You know, it's one. quite remarkable in the first game how often they talk about Thor and Odin. Like yes. they talk about him all the time, not just in Mimir's stories, but like uh, the severed head that you carry with with you oh, if you don't. Mimir's fantastic, know. but uh, but uh, it's just interesting. They talk about uh, them all the time. It's this big villain uh, and and personality built up over over time, and yet never see them right uh, and. Uh, it it very much felt like had there never been a sequel to to the 2018 game, it would have felt weird, right? Like it it clearly was setting up to something, and so uh, so no. I, I anyway, I'm excited to eventually eventually dive in. But Ryan, I have a game I want to talk about. Cool. What is it? So this could not be a harder 180. Uh, <laughs> it, it, so. It's a game called Pentiment. Pentiment. I'm going to try not to say it too much because I feel like I'm saying it wrong. Pen, Pentiment. Whatever. Uh, sometimes I listen to podcasts and people will be talking and I'll miss when they said the title of the game and then they'll keep calling it that game or the game does this or whatever. And I'm like, what freaking game are you talking about? So maybe I'll mention the title a couple more times. Pentiment. Pen, yeah, penitent? No, Pentiment. It's not Pentiment. Anyway. That's Peppermint. right. Um, so, uh, Ryan, are you yes. familiar with this game at all? Uh, yeah, no. I mean, like all the Game Pass games uh, come across my desk, and I'm like, "Ooh, that looks interesting." Come across my. I just <laughs> Ryan's got like he's working for Xbox. They've been like, <laughs> "Did you put these across Ryan's desk?" They're like, "No." Watch his facial reaction. But he loves everything. I know, but watch his reaction. <laughs> like. Ooh, Ooh, it's a good one. Here's the thing. I, I heard it described as like, you know, um, basically the idea was that uh, Obsidian, uh, like a subsidiary of, uh, of Microsoft, basically wanted to create their own version of Disco Elysium. Does that seem correct? Well, here's the thing. I have not played Disco Elysium, oh, <laughs> but but I am very keen on playing it kind of after this. It is nothing like what anything I know about Disco Elysium. Uh, you just said you it, hadn't played Disco Elysium. So. No, but 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 <laughs> Bo, has, Bo has talked to me ad nauseum. Like I said, it's nothing like what I know 
about Disco Elysium, which is like, you know, you know, the setting, the environment, the way you play the game, all of that sort of stuff seems very different from this game. It's it's like an RPG, Disco Elysium is an RPG with stats and all of this sort of stuff. This game is not that. It's, you know, I mean, the only thing that I would say, the, the, the connective tissue that draws the two together, I think, is that they're both games for adults, um, which is no diss to games like God of War Ragnarok or other games uh, that that appeal to a wide audience. But the thing about Pentiment, and, and like there's no way for me to say this without sounding super elitist, is that it's a really smart game that assumes its audience are really smart. And um, I mean, there when, when you play so many games that handhold you, that tell you the answer to every puzzle or and, and tell you what to think or whatever, it is very refreshing to play a game like this. And you're right, Obsidian made it. Uh, and I feel myself, Ryan, I'm about to go on a Crofton style rant similar as to what I did for Andor. So if you want to stop me, now is the time. Otherwise, the tracks are going to, oh. the train is leaving the station. Did you have any, before I, I'm going to say what the game is and I'm going to say my initial impressions and all of that sort of stuff. Did you, uh, did you have anything else you want to add Uh about your 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 feelings around this before I I get rolling. I just I hate when I talk for a huge period of time but don't give you a chance. I was only going to say that the game Crofton is about to rant about is Pentiment. Pentiment. Right. Okay, go ahead. That's a Pentiment. So, it's a game pass game that I had never heard of. Now, here's the thing. I love never hearing hearing about games. When I, there's something that is just great about anticipating games and then, oh, I can't wait for this huge game to come out and then it comes out and you're really excited. That's great. But even better than that is some game or book or movie or whatever you've never heard of. And it's amazing, right? Like Hades was that for me the other year. Like I know it had been in early access and other people were, were talking about it, but I didn't see it coming. And then I started playing and it was like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. Um, Pentiment is that I love this game. It is fantastic. Um, and for me, it's, it's like, it's made me question so much about games I play in general and the way I think about video games. And I mean, like the developers have gone on the record saying that this game would not exist without game pass. And that to me, like I tend to think of game pass in terms of like dollars and cents for me, like what would I buy uh, for myself? Like, would I buy this game? Would I not buy this game? How much money am I saving at the end of my game pass subscription? If I had just bought some of these games, would I actually save money? Did I, you know, so I think about it in a very mercenary way for me, but Knowing that games like this are given life because of Game Pass and would not exist otherwise. And honestly, there's so much truth to that. When I play this game, I'm like, who is this game for? Um, and uh, it is very challenging. So enough with the preamble. The uh, What it is, is it's an adventure game at heart. Like one of those games where you walk from screen to screen. Uh, except it is um, set in the 1500s. Uh, in Bavaria, which is uh, part of Germany near Austria. And uh, you play as an artist that is in uh, on assignment, if you will, at the scriptorium of the local abbey. Scriptoriums are where um, artists and monks worked 
to illustrate and write books that you could commission because there was no printing presses. So everything had to be done by hand. Um, and uh, there's, it's a town uh, uh, with peasants, townspeople, clergymen, all of this sort of stuff. Um, you know, you play as an outsider who is like boarding with, with a family. Um, and, uh, you know, you meet uh, the the townspeople and all of this, you're talking to them. You, and then uh, a noble comes to town and yada, 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 the noble gets murdered. Um, and you have to solve or, or try to solve the noble, the nobleman's murder. So it's a detective um, story. And I think that that's where the Disco Elysium comparisons might, might come in into a couple of these games. I've decided I really like detective stories. Um, I will say that this game is an absolutely huge slow burn because at the beginning you start playing in this exotic land. So the 1500s, if you're not a history buff, you don't know, you probably don't know anything about anything anybody's telling you. Um, and there is a button like words that are, um, that are uh, unclear. There's a line underneath and you can pr press a button on the controller and it will give you a little background about what some of those words mean or what they're referring to. Uh, there are no punches pulled here. Everybody talks to you like you are from the 1500s. Uh, and it is uh, like the language is, is very clear, but it's also um, all done in in uh, in typeface. So it's it's a stylistic choice. There is no voice acting in the game. So everybody, you know, you hear that like the quill on paper uh, and they they write what you're saying on top of your head in each character's head. And if they're a peasant or lower class, it's going to be written a different way than if they're a clergyman. And you can even in the accessibility options like tweak that a little bit because some people can't read cursive or some of the, the fonts are, are challenging to read. The whole thing is like a, 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 one of those Renaissance paintings or picture books. The art style, and I can't do justice explaining it. You would need to Google it and take a look. But uh, it is it is really, really like a painterly, like a picture out of a 1500s uh, book. And it makes it feel like you're reading a book. So when you uh, hit that button to define those words, it zooms out on the page and you, you see you see like the margins of the page. You know, when you open your journal, it's kind of like it's all very much like your your characters in a in a picture book. Uh, and you get used to this style. I, I liked it from the onset, but it, it even grows on you further. Um, and, uh, and yeah, uh, so it, it, uh, like it treats you like you're smart. Like the, the nobleman, when he walks with you to the church, when you meet him on your way to, to work at the beginning, we'll start talking to you about like what your thoughts are on Martin Luther uh, and his writings and stuff. And if you don't know anything personally about Martin Luther and what he he stood for, you might find yourself doing some quick Google searches to be able to react to what the nobleman is saying. You make some choices also uh, uh, based uh, in the early hours uh, on how your character is, where they went to school, all that sort of stuff, which affects some of the things you can do. They went to school, say, in Italy. They can read Italian, which may come into play while you're solving the mystery or whatever. So you can, you, you there is some customization there. I'm, I made my character a great orator so he can convince people um, and that, you know, there are some skill checks where people will like remember things, you know, those telltale games, they will remember that. 
Well, it really is done cleverly here where there's bits and pieces people will remember. And then at one point you might need to convince them of something and there's a bar and it's already predisposed based on the responses that you've done, given or the things that you said to them. I found that this game was slow. Like at first I bounced off it a little bit. I was quite tired. You need to have the energy to invest in it at the beginning. Man, when it starts rolling and like you're starting because it's a time management game, you're when you're starting to investigate the mystery and you've got to be like, okay, who am I going to question? You can't do everything. You've got to make choices. Who am I going to question in the morning? Who am I going to eat lunch with? Uh, and then maybe question at the same time, should I go to this site? Time will pass if I go there. You're managing your time um, uh, to to find to find them, you know, at least in the first act, the murder suspect. And it's just, it becomes like really tense, really interesting. And also I love small town like games. Like at the beginning, it's so overwhelming. There's so much stuff, so many characters. And I know your book tracks them, but it's a lot of characters, like a whole village worth of people, the Abbey and all the monks. But then as it goes on, you start to know them and you start to be like, okay, this guy's like, this guy's the douche monk, you know, like you, you start, you start figuring it out. And then, like especially coming off the original God of War, which has like five characters in it, um, to to have uh to have like I love shows that are set in small towns or or things like that, and this is a hundred percent that. So you're going around and there's so much dialogue with these characters, um, but it never wears out its welcome, and so much of it is optional, and and yeah, you never know. Like, are you? You know, are you solving it? Because nobody, there's not much in the way of guides or walkthroughs. Not that I would go to it because it's such a recent release, but it feels like I have to live with my choices and who I'm going to accuse. And, and, um, and it's beyond a murder mystery because that's just the first act. There's two other acts. And I don't want to, I don't want to spoil those too much, but you know, there are time jumps involved in different things and you get to see how the village evolves. Anyway fantastic game that I have just like is rare that I've had a game that I've just wanted to play so much like that I that occupies like I'll be lying in bed thinking about like how who's who's suspicious how you know what they've said like what it checks out leads that I should investigate the next day it occupies so much of my brain space when I'm not playing it I'll be sad when it's over um and it just came out of nowhere to do that. And like, I don't think it's a game for everyone. There's no action. Um, there's, but for a game that has minimal sound design, it is not a game that you could like listen to a podcast and play. And for all, you know, I enjoyed, you know, uh, the recent games I've been playing, but I realized I've been listening. Jesse's come down. She finally played God of War. I'm going through Muselheim and I'm listening to a podcast Muscle. at the same time. And she's like, She's like, what are you doing? You're you're playing again. I'm like, yeah, but nothing's going on. I'm just fighting, you know. Uh, and pen, pentiment is like the antithesis of that. It's like you you you're reading a book, but you're playing a game. It's like being into a good historical fiction novel. Um, but that said, I totally get how it is not for everyone and therefore could not exist without Game Pass. And I know myself, I probably wouldn't have even dove into it if it wasn't for Game Pass. But I was looking at it and I'm like, oh, I saw some of the reviews. I'm like, let me let me try. And then I bounced off the first little bit. It was just too much at the beginning, too much. Like the historical stuff, the new, the characters, the what's going on. The And I was tired and had been sick that day. And I got to the Abbey and then I – 
then the abbey opens up and there's all these rooms. I'm like, oh, forget this. And then um, I came back to it a couple of days later and then it just clicked. The murder, as soon as the murder happens, uh, you know, things start pumping and you're trying to save somebody from being wrongfully accused and all of that sort of stuff. So anyway, fantastic. Hugely recommend. I think if you have Game Pass, it's worth giving it a shot. I would totally understand why you would bounce off. But man, um, like I don't, I don't, you know, like where where it ends up in my game of the year considerations at the end. Like I I don't I haven't been so involved in the narrative side of a game this year as this as this game. Um, you know, Elden Ring was great. I loved it, but I was never involved in the narrative, right? So Xenoblade was really fun. I loved it. I you know I was into the story, but not as much as I'm into this. You know, it's in you know for all the the tropes of anime kind of like there's a level of seriousness that is that this game has that you just you believe it you know anyway it's hard it's hard to to properly articulate but pentiment fantastic game well there you go uh a crofton rant i didn't get the time on that but i'm sure someone will write in and let us know uh i know i feel like it was a good one my throat's sore it was a good one and i mean i'll give you a bit of a break um as we 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 should probably move into the diapers soon but i will give I mean, this this is a TV show that will definitely get um, more love on another podcast I do, uh, Zombies Ate My Podcast. But I figured it was a good one to bring up because um, Crofton, The Walking Dead is done. It's over. The main series has completed its run after 11 plus seasons. Well, 11 seasons, 11 plus years. Um, I finished it just last week. And uh, it, it here's the thing. There was one thing that jumped out at me is like, it's over, but as a fan of the show and someone who keeps up on the behind the scenes, thanks to another podcast I do, a lot of folks will be find it funny if they were to watch the last episode that was um, after it finished, they played a highlight reel for what's coming next. And they announced there will be four spinoffs occurring in 2023. So like it's done, but literally they use the line in the marketing of like, this the end is the beginning you know and it's like oh, oh my god yeah. yeah literally use that line to to describe what what is coming next and um, that show's been on a long ass time i know because i watched like i was really into the first four seasons of that show and then i don't even know what happened i just sort of trailed off i think there was a moment of like it's just too much dystopian with no hope on the horizon you know and um and then they ran for like six more seasons. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people fell off the show, especially when uh, Negan popped up. Negan's an interesting character, but you know, the way he, he appears in the first few episodes, he, uh, he, you know, he, he kills a few characters. Right. And I mean that like, this is what the show is about, but a lot of people, including myself thought it was a bit, um, it was a bit much and a lot of people jumped off there, but some people came back. But but here's the thing, a show that lasts this long, it's you're not going to have everybody stick around. It's like a it's like I remember when I was in college and I was I was doing the computer programming course. You know, we had 30 to 35 people in our first year. The graduating class was eight people. It's like it's it was just it was a war of attrition. Uh, it's similar to that in The Walking Dead. Like no one, not everyone's going to make it to the end, especially so you, when you graduated from Walking Dead University. I did. Yes, I have the uh, diploma. It says um, y- you you stuck it out, even though uh, you know fifty percent of the audience didn't. Um, 
there's a lot of things the show did. I mean, and a show running this long, um, you know, they they removed Rick Grimes from the show um, in season seven. That was a big deal. Uh, they didn't kill him off, but they basically wrote him off the show. And uh, he is going to be coming back in a spinoff next year. Um, it's just it's funny, like the way they ended it. Uh, it's not like a traditional show that ends and that's it. Like the universe is still ongoing. The characters that survived the main series that aren't even getting the spinoffs could come back uh, and probably will come back in various degrees. Like it's not ending. They are applying like the MCU model to it in that like it's just ongoing. There's no more of The Walking Dead. There's only The Walking Dead universe, basically. You know, it's um, I don't think it's going to bring anyone back. Uh, I think for me, even if I do, even doing the zombie podcast, we will likely pick and choose which series we, we focus on. And, and really for me, the one I'm excited about is, is the Rick and Michonne series that's going to be coming in 2023. But yeah, I figured it was more warranted, uh, mentioning cause a lot of people watch the walking dead. They haven't finished it, which is fine. I totally get it. And I, I applaud you for being able to exit a show. Like I am a completionist and it's like, not even a good thing. It's like, I, I sometimes am so happy when a show ends because <laughs> I'm like, okay, great. I don't have to watch this anymore. It's done. I'm enjoying it, but it's nice to do new things. Um, and like, I'm not getting that with the walking dead. Like it's, it's ending, but they're launching four new so- shows. So, uh, it's, it's you why don't I don't watch- have to watch them. Right. I know my, I don't, I, <laughs> I you know. know, I think, I think my thing with the walking dead, and this is not to go ta- too tangentially is when it launched, as a show for AMC by Frank Darabont as the creator of like the Shawshank Redemption and other things like the movie. It was done in a very cinematic, big budget, high kind of high art style, which differentiated itself from the pulp zombie stuff that was out there, right? Like there, which was most of the zombie stuff up to this point. This first season had these sweeping shots, the iconic shot of Rick riding the horse into into the city everything was felt very i don't know um it, there was a, a realness to it and uh and all of that and then somewhere along the lines like you know frank darabont left obviously uh there was a lot of behind the scenes turmoil on that show uh and uh it became uh and i know it's adapted from the comics i'm not saying that like the comics didn't pave this road first, but um, it became much more like they started having an after show, like talking dead. uh, And they, they started, it became much more of a product. It felt dirtier, which is a weird way of putting it. But I was like, it all of a sudden felt like about showing, showcasing Daryl doing a cool kill every week and less about like, there, even that everybody could die type thing, it became clear to me that like Daryl wasn't going to die, Rick wasn't going to die. Like you know, there it was just. It felt like there were some untouchables. It felt like it was much more like a cinematic universe style and less like a sort of high art thing that maybe Frank Darabont originally originally envisioned. And honestly, Ryan, there was absolutely nothing wrong with it. But I realized at that point it was going to go for a really long time. They had great ratings, especially for AMC. And I was like, 
I don't know if I can ride this depression train all the way to the end of the station. <laughs> yeah, no, it like the show. Um, and we've talked about this a lot on zombies ate my podcast. It's basically, it is a exploration of like, what can go wrong next? What evil person am I going to run into next? And, and the comics, like that is the, I, that is the premise until it ends. And the, and the end of the comic line, uh, is the premise is like, we, uh, at least in the comics, like the idea is like, this was the last big bad. We've established like enough of a community here that we can, um, we can exist and, and deal and, and we're not going to, you're not going to run into more Negans or, uh, governors or, uh, you know, uh, commonwealths of, of the universe. Like you're just, we're just going to coexist and we're going to live and we're going to be peaceful and we're going to, we're not going to have to deal with like whispers or whatever. Like it just felt like that's how the comics kind of wrapped up. It was like, okay, I think we figured this out now we can live and just adapt to be living with. But like in the show, obviously it's not ending, you know, like um, they've dealt with the latest issue, but they introduce new wrinkles and, and, um, and of course there are characters that still, you know, need to be explored as to where they've been all, um, uh, off screen, but it, you're right. I don't have to watch these shows. I, I'm just, I'm admitting that basically like I sometimes don't start new shows unless I know like they're going to be really good or I'm going to really enjoy them because I have, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of an issue for me. I'm not good at stopping watching a show. Like I want to see that narrative through. <laughs> Uh, it's it's a personal, sometimes a personal. We, uh, thing. Uh, you've got to stop greenlighting them, Ryan. They're like, put the AMC guys are like, put the spinoffs in front of Ryan. Watch his face. Watch his face. Yeah. The Microsoft, the Microsoft guys have been doing it for Game Pass. It works really well. Ooh, Negan and Maggie. Yeah, uh, okay, that's green, one of the spinoffs. Yeah. <laughs> green, 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 green light it. Oh, a Rick and Michonne. I'm like, yeah. So, uh, are you, I, I'm did sure. you pull the Negan and Maggie one out of your ass, or did you like Google that because that would be like. No, no, I impressive that you guessed. No, 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 no. I I knew it. I knew it. Okay. Uh, Like I I keep abreast of like the news of the show, like to a certain extent, like when, you know, when Rick left, when it makes entertainment news, when Andrew Lincoln left the show or whatever, I was like, okay, you know, like I, I, it breaks through. Um, whereas the rest of the time it's, you know, the same, same old, same old or whatever. But, uh, um, yeah, it, it 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 is funny. There's less and less of these super long running shows. Ryan, Netflix cancels things so quickly. Um, now I just I just think you know you're the, these Grey's Anatomies or or um, or uh, Walking Dead's or Survivors like these show these legacy shows. I mean they're they're just they're not going to be many of those. I think in the future. Um, just before we jump into the dungeons, I did want to give you one shout out. I'm not sure if I mentioned it last week. I don't think so. You made well, maybe I did last time. You you recommend we watch uh reboot or yeah. yeah, we did. We loved it. It was great. Oh, good. Thank you. Yeah, it's uh and and here's the thing, like you mentioned Netflix and uh and reboot. Like reboot is one of those shows where I took a chance. I watched a really good show. Uh and if it gets canceled, I'll be really upset. Because like it actually like there's only eight episodes and it ends on what feels like should be like I was expecting an episode nine, you know, the week after I watched it and there wasn't. And I'm like, oh, this is clearly 
This was it felt unfinished. Uh, so if it gets canceled, I'll be, I, and I, I, I don't dare to Google it while we're recording because I, I don't want the second half of the show to be just Ryan's upset that Reboot got canceled. But um, I, it's why I struggle to watch Netflix shows too. And I've talked about this on, on countless podcasts about how I'll wait. I'll sometimes wait just to see not a, a season two renewal, but like just to see the re- the general reception online to a Netflix show. I'll stop you right there. There's a lot of other seasons. I thought the CG wasn't really good. Uh, it looked pretty dated. <laughs> I mean, this guy Megabytes plans never go as, as as expected. So you can just jump right into the next season right now. Yeah, you know what? And while you're making the CBC reboot uh, 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 joke, I just quickly googled it. I don't I don't know if it's being renewed. But but here's the thing. Um, uh, I watched uh, I didn't put this in the notes because it's it's not really a recommendation because it's it's not a great television show. It is on Netflix, but they have that new blockbuster series. Um, it is another one like it's another 30 minute comedy. And it's like it's not great. It's not terrible. And the fact that it is like from I'm pretty sure it's from either one of the lead writers or the creator of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Um, it does not sort of stand alongside Brooklyn Nine. It's not as good as that. I do remember the first season of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. People were pretty hard on it. Like it it really maybe grew into its reputation. Well, I mean, here's the thing about Blockbuster on Netflix. Like I won't be surprised if Netflix cancels it. Just be like, I'm pretty sure that's the only reason Netflix picked this up is so that they could create it for at least one to two seasons and then be in the news again of like how Netflix canceled Blockbuster again. So. Yeah, that's they want it. They want that headline. Netflix cancels Blockbuster. Yeah. The show, you know, but it's um, got uh, it's got Randall Park as the as the lead actor and um, uh, Amy. I don't know the actor's name, but but uh, Amy from Brooklyn Nine Nine is in it as well, uh, and she's fantastic. So like, it's got a good cast. Um, it's got a great cast. It's just I think the writing isn't as solid because they lean into like the whole. This is a lot. They don't even they don't really feature like Blockbuster is a character, but it's not the main point of the show. The main point of the show is like these these characters and and their antics. And uh, it's not as entertaining of what should have been just like, how do you run a Blockbuster in 2022? You know, I know. But Pentiment is so good. Yeah. And again, not to end it on a on a Blockbuster note here, but let's move into the diapers uh, where I'm sure we'll have some fun stuff to talk about as well. Uh, uh, although, you know, Crofton, you said that you've been, uh, your your family's been down and out sick the last couple of weeks. How are you guys doing now? Uh, I mean, today was a PD day. It was just so annoying because it was like, Jesse's really sick. The kids could probably go to school, both of them, although they're still hacking. And I'm a little bit sick. Like I was really sick earlier this week. I'm just sort of recovering. So I was like on full duty again with the with the kids, um, which was challenging. Uh, and so I'm just glad. Like I I see no world where they're not going back to school on Monday, which will finally be, you know, some some relief. So that that's been um, it's been a rough a rough go, but we have watched a bunch of movies, and it is funny because you were talking about that scary book, uh, and uh, Clara, my four year old, is really into scary movies, and um, it is very interesting to me. Like not just scary movies, but scary stuff in general. She likes to be scared, and she's not traumatized 
um, by it. And uh, like, you know, we watched, um, you know, I keep trying to push the envelope, but she doesn't seem to be overly scared by anything. Whereas my older daughter does get scared a lot more easily. So we watched this movie Coraline. Have you ever heard of Coraline? Yeah, actually, um, Abby's been obsessed with it. So, yeah, I've seen it quite a few times. It's just like, so you, so had you ever seen it previously? Like to, like, it's been around for a few years now. It's made by the same director as The Nightmare Before Christmas. That's kind of how we found it. Yeah. So Tim Burton. Um, not I, Tim Burton. Uh, is it not Tim Burton? No. Uh, it See, Tim Burton, it says The Nightmare Before Christmas. Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas, but it's not, he's not even the director of that movie. He's just like, he's some, I don't know if he's an executive producer or whatever, but it's like one of those things where they use his name. I think the guy's name is Henry Selle. It is. So, yeah. Sorry. So, uh, yeah, Henry so, Selleck and Coraline is um is based on a, a Neil uh Neil Gaiman. Yeah, Neil Gaiman's uh novels or no- novella. So yeah, Henry Selleck. I apologize. So Henry Selleck is the director, uh, and he has is- another movie coming out this year, and it's the first. It's on Netflix. It's the first one. Wow, I I was looking for it today because it's like oh we need to find that now because he doesn't do that many movies and it's going to be another stop motion animated one but uh, Coraline is is um is essentially a horror movie for children yeah uh, is what it is like and it is funny when you say it like that you're just like well why the fuck would I want my kids to watch a horror movie you know like and it's it's like I would say it teaches them how to be scared or how to be and there and and Clara there's a scene in Coraline where I and I don't want to you know I will say it's a very good movie but it's scary and like I find it's got like scary bits uh but it, they did not bother her and uh the main villain uh has a transformation sequence about, I'd say halfway through the film. It's a fairly long film for an animated film. It's like two hours or something. And there's a transformation sequence. And um, it's done from the rear of the character. So you see the character kind of grow and their neck elongate and all of this sort of thing. And Clara was like gripped onto me. Like she was just like, and then I paused it. I'm like, we're going to stop watching this. And she's like, no, 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 put it back on. She's like four years old. And she asked, she's asked to watch just that transformation scene like 20 times. She ran down to get my wife. She wanted to show it. It's caused her no nightmares, no whatever. She, she's watched the movie a bunch of times. She just likes scary movies. And her sister felt kind of like, because I, I didn't want Gwen, her older sister, to watch the movie. Because Gwen, like, there's a lot of creepiness to the movie. Like, characters have buttons sewn in their like eyes, like four eyes. It, it's just, just I, I just felt that Gwen, as an older child, would maybe even be more likely to have nightmares. But Gwen felt jealous that Clara could watch this movie. And so, of course, she wanted to watch it. And she didn't get nightmares, but, like, it was clear that she was like, oh, my. Like, she felt she had to watch it because Gwen. Clara's like just lives for it, but she Gwen definitely found it more scary. I could tell. Yeah, um, and and it was a similar situation. I know Caden and Abigail are closer in age. Like Caden's um, going to be seven in January, and and Abigail just turned five. Abby loves Coraline. She uh, to the point where when we were doing a we did a family trip in the summer, and I had to like 
It wasn't on Netflix. It had left Netflix and it had gone to Amazon Prime. So I had to like get the Prime app on her phone or on her tablet to download Coraline, but also make sure I had it set up in a way where she couldn't like watch all the other stuff. Although we were in in the car, so it wouldn't have mattered. It wouldn't have loaded because we don't have Wi-Fi. But uh, yeah, she would just watch it on repeat. And Caden didn't want to watch it. He was he was scared. Like he didn't like it. And and I and I I think your description of it being like a like a introduction to the you know scary movies for kids like it's a scary movie for kids i mean it it does i think offer that the entertainment of that genre at a younger younger age because for the most part and i remember when i was a kid like you weren't into the genre uh because they were all targeting like you know it was all a mature audience right like it was it was all like slashers or um yeah that's there's no there's no violence in Coraline really no. like there's just scariness yeah. and, and creepiness and there are jump scares and different things, but it, it remains, it remains very scary. I thought it was, it was just, it was interesting. Interesting. Yeah. The other movie we watched was home alone, which <laughs> is one of the, one of those movies that I had been waiting to have Gwen watch. Um, because, you know, when is she going to be old enough? Kevin in that movie, Kevin McAllister, seven, Gwen's now oh. eight. I've, I, I felt that, like, maybe this would work. I do know that it has a lot of, like, violence, like, uh, including, you know, a guy stepping on a nail, you know, like, a lot of stuff that, that – and, and um, there's actually a lot of swear words in the opening scene when the family's being a jerks. They're saying, like, you know – all sorts of means. So Kevin, you're a disease, you little jerk, you know, like, uh, 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 I wouldn't let you sleep. I wouldn't let you sleep in this room if you were growing out of my ass, you know, like there's just, just a lot of, a lot of, a lot of that stuff. Um, but, uh, it is funny cause I have sheltered my kids to a point that like, you know, Gwen didn't, what's ass. I'm like, well, yeah, ass. Uh, you yeah. know, I'm like, it, it's a, it's a bad word for your bum, you know, like, or whatever, like it, 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 they didn't, so they're, but that's all front loaded. It's front loaded. And I'd almost say like, if you're watching home alone with your kids and you want to distract them, that's the time, like distract them. Like, well, like if you're getting popcorn or different things, well, like families being jerks at the beginning, that's a good time. Um, and, uh, because then once he's by himself, there's no bad language and, uh, and the rest of the movie is uh, really empowering, which is not something that I had thought of, but it is true for a child. Gwen turned to me at a couple of times and was like, like had just whimsy in her face and was, was like, the kid is outsmarting the adult. And, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I'm like, yep. Yeah. Uh, but it's a movie, um, you know. Yeah, and, don't uh, get any funny ideas. And, and don't get don't get any funny ideas. But but yeah, she was really, um, she was really into it. All beats of it, right up into the end. Although, you know, there's one point where the wet bandits uh, are following uh, Kevin in a car. They come they come to the house. They recognize that he's there, and they're going to go in and essentially get him or whatever. And he 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 plays, he does something. I think he plays the movie or he does something to, to convince them that there's people there. But Gwen was very scared. Like you could see, she was like, these were like adult humans that were threatening the health and safety of a kid, you know, and she'd never seen that before or that concept before it devolves into slapstick at the end, 
there is a moment where they are presented as genuinely threatening, especially for a first time viewer, you know? Um, and, uh, and she, she was, I, she was like glued to me and like, hold me. I don't, I can't look, you know, and, and that sort of stuff. So whereas Clara would watch for like five minutes and then leave, she just had no interest in a live action movie, you know? Um, I remember when I was a kid, the, the second film scared me uh because and i remember it vividly it scared me because there's a scene where um one of the wet bandits gets electrocuted and then he he, you see his skeleton like it's it's super like thinking back to it it's super cartoony it's super like wb animation like you know he's he's getting shocked um and and he's uh you can see see that like a, a cartoon skeleton show up it's super corny well it's funny i haven't put like Gwen's like, they should make another one of those movies. I'm like, they did, actually. Uh, we're there's not six watch- of them, actually, but uh, really, there's we're only not, two. We're not going to even, like, I, I haven't even jumped into the second one, which is like a beat-for-beat, beat, you know, yeah. retelling of the first one. I would rather her watch the first one a couple of times. And it, both of them, they have the scary person, the pigeon lady in the second, and the shovel, the the the, the man shoveling snow the neighbor something so in the first it's presented as like this scary person yeah and remember like when buzz is telling him in the he, he's like he he cuts up the bodies and he puts them in that you know <laughs> like he's he's really you know he's the older brother trying to traumatize the younger brother and um that's really like but gwen called that shit right away she was like i bet that guy's actually nice if they get to know him and i'm like and then later in the movie, you know, there's a couple of scenes where like he's at the pharmacy or he's at different places and the guy walks in and then he runs away and, and Gwen was talking to the TV. She's like, you just need to talk to him. And, uh, and it's true. And so it is true. Like when they make peace at the church or whatever, and, and all of that, Gwen is like, I knew that would happen. I'm, <laughs> I was like, you were right. But uh, it is really, I, you know, I'm now at the time where I get to watch these childhood movies. Home Alone, the first Home Alone, I know I'm older than you. The first Home Alone was the first movie I saw more than once in theaters. I saw it like, I think twice in theaters. And uh, um, I mean, with I was just like, I wanted, I desperately wanted to go back and see it again. Um, and so I, it's just... It's the first of like now. Now I feel like there's other movies like this we could watch, but I didn't feel like putting on Star Wars or whatever where Clara could walk down. It had to be a movie that I felt comfortable with her, like just you know walking down, seeing what's on the screen, and then leaving. You know, so uh, Home Alone works for that because it mostly it's just a Christmas house. Mostly she comes down. Oh, okay, nothing's going on. You know. Yeah. Um. It's you know speaking of Christmas, it's it's certainly felt like the you know the seasons in full swing i'm noticing a lot more lights going up and we've started to kind of watch more christmas films and one that um that that is closer to you know a special movie that came out when when i was a kid uh was the santa claus uh with tim allen and uh I, i wanted to watch it with the kids and i was thinking like ah you know the whole film is probably fine except at the very beginning santa dies like he falls off a roof and is oh that's right that's what the clause is yes all right (laughs) so we find i finally decided like okay there's a new disney plus series coming out that is a continuation of um those movies there's three movies and now there's going to be a disney plus series Uh, and i thought okay like let's watch it like the first 
the first 15 minutes, it, it's similar to your description of it's kind of it's kind of easier to talk over, you know, Buzz saying ass, um, but uh, it's not as easy to talk over Santa falling off the roof and, and, and dying. Um, but it's done in a very Disney way. So we watched it and I and I stuck around, you know, definitely for the beginning. And um, we watched we watched the whole film. But uh, I wanted to make sure I was there for the beginning uh, so that we could kind of watch it together and, and see their reaction to to what was happening. Um, and, uh, yeah, like he, he walks outside and Tim Allen walks outside and he, he kills Santa. Uh, but, but Santa like kind of falls into the snow and then like disappears. And I can't remember if they like retcon it, like they go back and kind of explain that he was just, he was like, I don't know if he didn't die. He kind of like retired in that moment. Like he decided like this is the last roof I fall off of, um, or something, but, um, they kind of handle it well because like right after Santa falls off the roof, uh, and dies, um, you know, Tim Allen like picks up the sled and, and, and is off to, to being Santa. Like it, it, it moves pretty quick, you know, and, and, uh, it's a comical thing, I guess. Like it's not, it wasn't too bad. Like the kids, the kids survived it. <laughs> they didn't, they didn't question it too much. They were, they were just happy to see, uh, Tim Allen run around, I guess, being Santa. Oh, well, so they liked it. They did like it. Yeah. I mean, like, like I said, except for that, like little beginning there. Where it might be traumatizing to see, uh, you know, like Coca-Cola Santa slip off the roof and die. Like, yeah, I mean. Well, th- there is another actual uh, moment in Home Alone. Um, and it's true. Like, you start seeing these. These are pretty popular tropes in movies. Uh, Elf also has this trope. And it's funny because I didn't watch Elf purposely because of this scene. But th- I forgot Home Alone has it too. Which is a sad sack Santa um that is clearly not the real santa that is a human dressed as santa but a, a mall santa um so kevin goes to see santa kind of like in his little hut outside the mall there's like a, a lady chewing gum that on her phone that's like an elf yeah santa's getting in his car you know and then kevin goes and says look i know you're not the real santa but can you deliver a message to him you know and and, and uh the guy's like smoking a cigarette and he's like, here, take some Tic Tacs, kid. Santa's got to give you something. And it's just like, I'm like, oh, I wish that scene wasn't there because it's like, it clearly acknowledges like Gwen already knows that this, you know, most part that the Santas that are in the malls are not the real Santa. But, but it, it I just, I was like, oh, I, you know, when, when that scene came up, I'm like, oh, I forgot about that scene. Uh, and uh, I know like an elf, you sit on a throne of lies. Um, like they, they, uh, they definitely go heavy on, on it as well. So I just, uh, I just, I, you know, I'm cognizant of that sort of stuff that may compromise the magic of Christmas because Gwen as an eight year old fully believes still. So I don't want to mess with that. Yeah, no, you gotta, you gotta keep it. I, I feel like you keep it going as long as you can without, I mean, what's the cutoff of like, like, you know, where it's not necessarily unhealthy, but it's like. I don't know. What's the cutoff for not believing in Santa? I don't even know what the the, the cutoff would be, to be honest. Uh, I, I think it's like elementary school and like, I think in grade six or whatever you're yeah. in, she's in grade three right now at the in elementary school. Like if somebody hasn't rattened it out to you, or if you hadn't figured it out yourself and are you going to those, you see, like I was the eldest and, and of three. And so my parents, as soon as I figured it out, my parents, you know, like, they, they don't want me ruining it for the two others for sure. And, but also I don't, I kind of like, 
there's a moment the kids go through, and I distinctly remember this, where you've sort of figured it out, but you don't want to ruin it for yourself or anyone else. Yeah. You're like, oh, shit, if I say something, then <laughs> then I might not get anything or whatever. But then when it was kind of out in the open, then you become part of the club, right? You become an ally, and it's like your brother, your, you know, your um, – I, I, it's one thing I feel bad for only children for because only children like the, um, or being the youngest for that matter is like, once you figured it out, it's over, you know, it's over for everybody. But, but when you're the oldest, I got to like, we still spoke about Santa as if he's real until Dev, who's five years younger than me was able to figure it out. Did he figure it out before me? Obviously. Yes. Because uh, Nick, my middle brother, told him <laughs> he didn't take the code of Santa secrecy as highly as I did. But but at the same point, it's like it is it is nice when you do like when Gwen does figure out she's like, I know she's going to be like a good big sister and keep it quiet until Clara figures it out, you know. Although I could, at, at the rate it's going, I could see Clara figuring it out first. <laughs> I, uh, I I hope Caden takes his time, and so does Abby take their time to to figure it out. Because honestly, I think both of them would spoil it for Izzy. Uh, like just just the you know not to go you know go full circle, but like just the experience of of that I had with the the scary book. It's just and and another experience I had just this week where we um, the neighbor brought over these like little pastry cakes and and said oh give them to the kids for dessert and and i did but for izzy takes forever to eat dinner so we cut one in half and um uh, ashley says like oh well you know give her half and then put the other one away and i i made like i i knew kate and abigail would say something so I, i pulled them aside and said look i'm gonna give half this cake to isabel and i just don't want you to bring attention to the cake and the size of the cake and why she has half of this cake and they're like, okay, daddy, no worries, no worries. So I bring the cake over to Izzy and, and Izzy starts eating it. And, um, Abigail says like, um, why does, uh, Isabel only have half a cake? <laughs> and I'm like, we just had this. Co-. So I know exactly how it's going to go with Santa and I feel bad for Izzy and we're going to have to basically like try to shelter her so that, you know, Abigail and Kaden don't spoil it. But like, I-, I already got that experience with just like pastries and and I know exactly what's going to happen uh, when when Caden and Abigail have a piece of information that they're asked to play along with. Um, but uh, yeah, like it's it's been really good. Like actually, um, we're really excited because uh, the kids are all really excited because we're going to a, we have our sort of traditional Christmas dinners are popping back up like pre Christmas stuff. So we actually have one this Sunday where there's going to be a, a Santa that pops in. It's our uh, realtor brings all the clients together and, and they usually have a Santa there. So, um, the kids will be excited to, they're excited to visit Santa. Like, it's really cool to say like, okay, we're going to go see Santa, um, on Sunday. So make sure you're good. And and they're really excited about that. And, um, basically it's like every weekend there's something on that, that is Christmas related. So it's, it is the season for sure. Um, I do feel I do feel that was like if you went back a year and you listened to this podcast, which you should, it's an amazing podcast. It, go back a year and you listen to this episode. I feel like you do this, you did this exact same thing where you were sort of like it's like the beginning of a Christmas relay or something, and you're like, you're like, all right, so I got my realtor thing. I'm pretty sure you mentioned it last year, and then you'd be like, and then I got all these other things. It does sound like you got like 
a a plentiful social calendar, which is kind of funny because mine is actually really sparse uh, uh-huh. over Christmas. My my wife is uh, her birthday is at the beginning of December, and so that's always that like, we do something sort of as a family. But my mom goes to Mexico. My de- my father in law is in Sherbrooke, and so. We generally decide if like if we don't go up, he doesn't like to take the roads and stuff. And then it's like, do we want to go there? And so it ends up being like, you know, we see less, we see less folks, um, and we've been keeping to ourselves socially because of the the COVID. Although I expect there'll be some work parties this year that maybe there wasn't in the past. But I know Ryan Murphy, he's in the Christmas, uh, he's in the, he's got all the families and all the stuff. Yeah. Well, I mean. It wasn't no last year was um was still pretty quiet. Like I mean we had a a lockdown after Christmas. Like kids didn't even go back to school for a couple of weeks. So, I mean, but we did this show pre-COVID and and really like my Christmas schedule this year is pretty much back to pre-COVID levels as long as everything, you know, holds together. But like yeah, we have the realty dinner this Sunday and then Santa Claus parade the next week and then uh, I don't know, probably something after that. And then, and then basically you're, you're running right up to Christmas and we usually do Ashley's family over Christmas. And then my family after Christmas, which basically turns the vi- Christmas vacation into just a whole bunch of Christmas. So like, um, yeah, it, it's good to spread it out, but yeah, sometimes it feels uh, a, a bit busy, but, um, I mean, something fun that we've been doing at the house that just these past couple of weeks is I've been trying to get the kids into video games more because we haven't been playing a lot of video games lately. Um, it shouldn't surprise anyone that I'm playing a lot of video games, but, uh, been trying to find time where I can play video games with the kids and, and give them the attention that they need when we're playing. Like, I, I know some folks are at a, a stage where they can say, yeah, go ahead, go play your game. I mean, the kids aren't, aren't there yet. I mean, I probably could put a controller in Caden's hand and he could, he could try to figure it out. But, um, it's funny, like we were trying to think, I'm trying to think of games like, cause they're. They struggle with camera control. It really throws them off. Um, even the Mario games, like the difficulty after World 1-1, really like it kind of ra- ratchets up as there's more ledges and enemies and pits to fall into. Um, and uh, a game we kind of settled on and, and had a lot of fun with was uh, Mario Party um, on the N64. We're playing it on the Nintendo Switch uh, expansion pass, finally getting that that uh, money's worth and, and uh, playing the original Mario Party and um all three of us playing on a board and having a lot of fun and and Caden just like I I remember when I was a kid um getting really frustrated that the AI on normal was super difficult to beat but also would get all the bonus stars at the end of the level um it, the first game was not well balanced I will say that uh but uh bumper balls remains the best mini game ever made so there's that That's funny I I'm keen on like a Mario Party but I I do think like there's this Mario Party Superstars. It's yeah. it's on sale at Black Friday right now. But my understanding, like when I think Gwen has bought it for me. I'm not for Christmas. I'm not a hundred percent sure. She's like I mentioned it, and she was talking really. She's like, oh, don't buy that. Or she's talking. <laughs> it just she did I, that last I mean, year with something. What was it? Splatoon. Yeah, Splatoon okay. two. And she did buy that last year. So I I think that it's possible. Anyway, so I I'm like, oh, should I buy? Because I would. I think Mario Party. You're right. It is a game. Because I I'm at the, with Clara at four. I, it would be nice for her to play a game. And I wasn't going to talk about this because we're running long. But I was just going to say that we're I'm 
like with Gwen, I'm at a weird point here. I, I realized this with my friends and stuff as well, that like that it used to be a binary question. Do you like video games or do not? Right. But now it's not. It's like, what type of video games do you like? You may like this. I may not. And uh, Gwen likes it um, like crafting and uh building a farm like she likes stardew valley she likes animal crossing she likes minecraft she likes dragon quest builders too and i don't like those games <laughs> i i like adventure games where you go on an adventure and you're fighting enemies and you're doing this and there's a story or whatever there's something like that's it what i enjoy and gwen has been playing stardew valley uh with my wife jess every evening now after supper it used to be that gwen and i would go down and play a video game together and now it's like she'll go down we're supposed to alternate nights like i go down one night and we play like mario kart or something and then jess goes down another night and they play stardew valley but now they're playing stardew valley pretty much most of the time and finding a way like oh you know I, you know, there's some reason why I can't be my knight or whatever. And so I bought um, that. Do you know that game on, it was on sale, uh, but uh, Kina uh, Bridge oh, yeah. of Spirits. Yep. Uh, I was like, this looks, this is like a strong female protagonist, you know, good graphics. Looks like, a, you know, a good adventure, probably open with a big story bit that'll get her invested. It did not. Um, and, uh, and so we played it. Well, we did one play session of it. Again, she doesn't want to play it because there's combat and she's scared. She's like, you play it. She's watching. There's a hat store. She was kind of into that. But then once we were done playing, she was like, yeah, I don't think I ever want to play that again. And I was like, <laughs> oh, no. I'm like, so so, uh, so it became clear that she's now, she's now charting her path yeah. in gaming. And it's different than the path that I choose in gaming or that I enjoy in gaming. And so, I mean, there's room enough for both of us, but maybe I'm going to have to expand my horizons a little bit as the adult. Yeah, and, and I think that's been, um, that's something that I've had to, not struggle with, but but basically come to terms on and like the games I want to play with the kids aren't going to be the same games that the kids are going to latch onto and enjoy. So like for example, you you nailed it. Like anytime there's enemies on screen, Caden gets really anxious and frustrated and like, but you know wants to try. So we got the 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 Sackboy adventure game on the PS5. And Caden enjoyed the first few levels, but it but the difficulty ratchets up in a way that like doesn't line up with the way he's he's just not there yet, right? Um, plus, there's camera control and that that messes things up. But um, Mario Party just worked because like the enemies are three other Nintendo characters playing these mini games, and you know one of them's Abby and one of them's me, you know, so it uh, it worked quite well and. Um, the the controls are very simple too. Like there's no camera control. Sometimes it is literally just moving your character around and um, it, it'll all come with practice. Like, I think that's the big thing is I've noticed them improving their skills as they move on. But uh, that, that super, Mario party superstars looks really cool. Like it's like, it takes the first five games from the N64 and GameCube and kind of like adds a couple extra characters that weren't in those games, takes the best mini games, takes the best boards and, turns them hd and, and they look really good it looks a lot of fun i th i think we're gonna pick it up um 
uh, Boxing Day after Christmas. I'm sure it'll be on sale again. That's that's sort of our plan right now. Yes, and a good plan it is, Ryan. Uh, I think I think I managed to cover a lot of the stuff that I wanted to talk about this this podcast, and yeah. I think you did as well. I did. We actually, I didn't did even. It. I didn't have the stuff on the list that I got to talk about, so I was pretty happy about that. So we covered we covered a lot of ground. Do we have a mail? We do not. And um, let me just check real quick. Uh, yeah, like we are. I think we're good. I think we're done. Um, and uh, we managed to we managed to wrap it up. Here's the thing. Um, we've got a couple more episodes planned before the end of the year. Uh, one of those is going to be the return of the daddies. So look forward to that. Don't Google it. Um, you could probably search it on our site. That should be fine, but just don't Google it. I think just, that's, yeah. 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 Just, just on our site. Yeah. Just on our site. Which is what Ryan? Uh, oh, it's uh TGI studios.com slash dad. Nice job, Crofton. You can also email the show dad at TGI studios.com. You can also follow us on Twitter while it's still up and running. Uh, you can find me at our Murphy. Crofton at Crofton Steers and the show at DND Cast. Wouldn't it be unfortunate for us to launch uh, our show on Twitter and then and then have Twitter go away? But uh, until then, you can follow us there. Uh, but also, that is going to do it for this episode of Dungeons and Diapers. Have a great couple weeks, and we'll be back in December. Everybody, go play Pentiment. I hope I said that right. Yeah, that was right. Pentiment. Pentiment. Is it? Pentiment, pen, yeah. Pen, penitent? Pen, pen, no. Pentiment. Pen, pen, pentiment, yes, yeah, you got it. But pent, is it pen, pentiment? Like, pen-a-ment. you know how you, you would say it, pentiment, pentiment, or pentiment? Like, you know, no. does it roll? No. I don't. I, don't I think it's pentiment. It's not. Why couldn't they have voice acted the title? God damn it. Is there no voice acting in the game? No, I said that earlier. On <laughs> you told me you were going on a rant. I just basically started the timer, and you're like, "I gotta go to the washroom. He'll be, <laughs> he'll be a while." Yeah, I got five minutes. <laughs> I got five minutes.